You are listening to Agent Court Church's audio podcast. For more information on Agent Court Church, including service times, how to connect, and campus locations, please visit our website at onechurch.to. Have you ever been completely speechless? You know, we have words to describe it in the English language, phrases, you know, they're tongue-tied, or I couldn't find words to describe it. And, uh, you know, I go into brain freeze, right? Just can't think of words. And uh, I can remember one time for sure where I was totally at a loss for words. I was speechless. It's when I first met the woman that became my wife. (laughs) Even to this day, I'm speechless Many, many, many times. Do you want me to tell you what happened last Valentine's Day? Usually at this point I say, it's none of your business. No, I'm going to tell you. She said, will you do the vacuuming? So, you know, what is love, right? Chocolates or sacrificing to bring about God's best in the life of someone else. So anyway, guess who vacuumed that day? Today, we're going to look at three experiences where we're speechless, and the Holy Spirit helped us. Now, Dr. Van already helped us understand in the first week of this Conversations with the Holy Spirit series how we can't even have spiritual life unless the Holy Spirit gives us life. Remember he said when he asked Jesus into his heart, the Holy Spirit was the one who brought that Jesus into his life. We're born again of the Spirit. Everything that we have of Jesus is because the Holy Spirit has brought it to us. And then last weekend, Pastor Jonathan helped us understand the Holy Spirit is our guide. He's there to guide us. Next weekend, we're going to hear how the Holy Spirit gives us gifts. And today, the Holy Spirit as communicator. When we are completely speechless, He'll be there to give us words. We're going to look at three situations where that happens in our lives, all right? Just to give you an overview of where we're headed, first of all, we're going to look at how the Holy Spirit gives us words when we're speechless to help us describe something that's too awesome for words. Secondly, He'll give us words when we're speechless by helping us articulate confusion that's too inexpressible for words. And then third, we're going to, before we pray, we're going to talk about how the Holy Spirit helps us when we're speechless, when we're communicating spiritual reality that's too supernatural for words. So back to the first one now. When we're describing something that's just too awesome for words. There are situations where we cannot find the words to express how amazing and awesome and wonderful our God is. Language fails us. Now, the Apostle John had a front row seat to the three-year public ministry of Jesus. When it came near its end, John was right there to hear Jesus say, I'm going away. I've complete, when I've completed my Messiah mission, I'm returning to the Father, but I am going to send, listen to me, another counselor. And when you say another, it means just like the first one. Another counselor, and that word in the Greek that the New Testament was written in is actually paraclete. It means, 
It means advocate, counselor, comforter. It's really somebody that comes along to give you the help that you need right when you need it. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to send, I'm going to pray to the Father. He'll send you the counselor. He'll be right there with you to give you the kind of help you need right when you need it. In Later in that conversation, John 14, 26, Jesus identifies the counselor. He says, it will be the Holy Spirit. That's who's going to come to help you out when you're speechless. The Holy Spirit whom the Father will send. Luke writes about how that happened. Just before Jesus ascends into heaven, what does he say? Do not leave Jerusalem. He's talking to his followers before he goes to return to his father. But wait for the gift my father promised. In a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. So they did exactly what Jesus said. They went back to Jerusalem. They were in, it must have been a large room. We know it was at least second floor in the uh, facility that they met in. It had to be a large room. Over 120 were there. There were different generations, different genders. We know because John records that Jesus' mother was there and his brothers. Lists off all of the disciples that were there, plus another hundred or so followers of Jesus. And they were doing exactly what Jesus asked them to do. What were they doing during this time? Well, Acts tells us, Luke records it in the book of Acts, they were constantly in prayer. I mean, think about it, they had a lot to process. <laughs> from the Passover day when Jesus died and uh, crucified, and then he rose from the dead and appeared to them over the period of uh, 40 days, and they just had, you know, they were recovering from all of that, they were regrouping, and then they were repositioning themselves for going out and being his witnesses, but he had told them to wait. And there's this beautiful attitude in the room, an attitude of surrender. They're unified, they're humbled, they're expectant, they're preparing, but they're very surrendered. Listen to one of the prayers. They, they, they thought they should pray and ask the Spirit to guide them as to who should replace Judas Iscariot, who betrayed Jesus, so he's gone. He committed suicide, so they want someone to replace in leadership. And here's how they pray. Lord, you know everyone's heart. You know our hearts. Show us. Lord God, whatever you want. And that attitude spilled over into however you want to send your spirit, God. We're surrendered. We are open. We trust you with the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, Acts 2.4 says how it happened. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Just notice this much at this point, all right? The, 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 they spoke, the Holy Spirit gave them the words, the Holy Spirit enabled them. That's, that's, that's good. It's sort of a cooperative. It wasn't like they just, Holy Spirit took over and they all started to speak in different languages. They, they were surrendered. They, they, they had a choice there. They spoke. Spirit gave the words. And uh, can you imagine what it would have been like to, maybe you've been there 50 days before for the Passover. Pentecost means 50, and 50 days later they had the Feast of Pentecost, the Feast of the Tabernacles. So you had people from all different countries, Jewish people that were coming to the uh, you know, religious capital, Jerusalem, to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. And so we, we know it was nine in the morning because Peter tells us that later. And they're on their way. So it's before nine in the morning. 
And uh, they're on their way to likely the temple grounds to do something that celebrates the Feast of Pentecost. And on their way, they're just walking by this building, and they hear from the second floor, because they didn't have glass then, the windows were open, and they're hearing different words. It sounds like back in my hometown. You know, they're speaking the language I left. And then, and then a crowd gathers, and Luke says, first of all, he says, they were bewildered. We'll get to what they were bewildered about. Then he goes, more gather, more gather. They're utterly amazed. We know from what is said later that thousands are outside <laughs> on the street on the way to the... And they're stopping because they hear people speaking their tongues. And they are perplexed, utterly amazed, and bewildered, Luke says. Why? Because they hear them speaking in a language that they spoke in back home. Uh, Luke repeats their why they're bewildered three times. One of the times he says it this way, how is it that each of us hears them speaking in his own native tongue? What were they saying? Verse 11, we hear them declaring the wonders of God. Now, isn't that something? They don't know what they're saying, but what, when someone understands what they're saying, they say, hey, I understand that they are declaring the wonders of God. You know, you can just imagine them. These are the first Christians ever. We do it every week, but way back, you know, 2,000 years ago, these are the first group that could gather and put the whole gospel together and say, thank you, Jesus, for leaving heaven to come and be our Savior. Uh, 50 days ago, dying on the cross so we could be forgiven of our sin, rising from the dead so we could have eternal life, ascending into heaven but saying, I'm going to send one just like myself that will be just like having me right there with you to comfort, to counsel, to advocate, to empower, to enable you to be my witnesses in the world. And they're just praising God. And then the, the, the scripture says that they begin to speak in a new language as the Spirit gave the words. They're declaring the wonders of God. Do you know what? The exact same thing happened. This is a pattern in the book of Acts. For instance, Acts chapter 10, it is almost comical because these are Gentiles. They're a non-Jewish audience. Cornelius is a centurion. He brings a lot of people, friends, relatives into his house. They invite Peter in as a guest speaker uh, through the Holy Spirit's orchestration. And Peter is there and he gets to the part of the good news about Jesus where he tells about the forgiveness of sins. And the people, forgiven of all our sins. And the Holy Spirit comes on them, and they begin to praise the Lord. Now, here's how it's, here, look at Acts chapter 10. They heard them speaking in tongues. When they were speaking in those languages, what were they doing? Say it with me. That, that's what is happening. And so it's, it's like the, the Holy Spirit... <laughs> When we're just overwhelmed with God's goodness, what were we saying about God's love today? And it's overwhelming. And, you know, we've got a place we can go when we don't have words to say it. You know, I don't know how many were with me when I uh, shared a little bit of, I don't know what to call it, prose or poem. But I came across something just going through some files of yesteryear. And I wrote this uh, uh, because I was noticing that in our generation, we, we, nothing is ever just, oh, that's good. It's always cool, right? Well, that's cool. 
You know, just everything. And then, and then, and then or, or something can be routine. Just something that happens every day. Awesome. Excellent. That's the best. You know, like, if it's the best, then what do you do with the rest? You know what I'm saying? It's just, so I wrote this. It's called, How Do I Speak About You? February 2018 edition. If life's so good and she's so beautiful, if he's so great and they're so cool, then how do I speak about you? If food's to die for or it's the best and totally amazing is adamantly confessed, then how do I speak about you? When what's called love wears out the superlative, then how do I speak about you? Because if all that's right and it's all true, then how do I explain the new? How do I find words for you? What song could express? They could say more with less. What words are left? Our language has wasted the few. So how do I speak about you? How many think I could turn that into a rap? Just, <laughs> how many like to hear me? How many would laugh if I, anyway? There are times where it's just like, I don't have the vocabulary, Lord. You're so good to me. Your blessings. And look what you did here. And it is, isn't it great that when we run out of words, he's given us a go-to language? <laughs> given us a place to go. When we're speechless, he's given us a language of praise. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians when he says, watch this. Anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to doesn't that make sense? If we're praising, we're praising not people, we're praising God. We're declaring the wonders of God. So that's the first way the Holy Spirit helps us when we're, we're, we're speechless. He helps us um, describe something that's just too awesome for words. The second way he helps us is to articulate confusion, and as we're going to see, and pain that is too inexpressible for words. Romans 8, Dr. Van touched on this a couple of weeks ago in our Holy Spirit conversation series. Romans 8 there says there are times where we are so confused, the best we can get up is a groan. That's the best we can come out with, is just a groan. First, the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 8 that creation groans. He says it's broken. Ever since humans failed, there's just something of a curse on creation. It is broken. It longs for the day where it is made new. Every time I hear about a tsunami or earthquake, tornado, what they call natural disaster, acts of God, how many of us thought an act of God? It's we're, we're the ones that mess things up. He had a perfect plan, and we went our own way. And there were consequences, not only for us, but for creation. But he says, creation groans. It's going to be redeemed someday, but we groan also, he says. Because we're in a broken world. We long for things to be made right, to be made new. And so we have suffering and tragedy and death. And when they happen, we just realize things are not right. They are not all that they could be. And in our human condition, the Holy Spirit helps us. All right, let's, let's talk about three examples of how he helps us when we're praying and we don't know what to pray. For instance, have you ever prayed about God's direction, but there's several good options in front of you. I remember when I went to Bible college, three girls over my years there told me that God had told them that I should be their husband. <laughs> None of them had a name of Esther, just, just to be clear. God told me that anyway. <laughs> but what do you do when God, I got three options and they all look good. 
It's confusing sometimes. What, what do God, how, how do I pray about this? And then it gets really serious and tragic sometimes. Have you ever, listen, if you've ever experienced the betrayal of another person at a deep level, how do you come up with words for that? The best you can get out is a groan, right? What about, and I've been through this, you lose someone that you deeply love. How do you find words to just, oh God, heal my grief? You know, it's just, it, it comes from someplace deeper, right? Just words can't express it at that deep level. Look at Romans. He says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And do you see that? When we're groaning, when we're praying in the Spirit, we could be praying more on target than when we fumble around in the English language trying to articulate what we think is the right thing to be praying for. In our utmost confusion, in our deepest pain, the Holy Spirit searches our hearts and comes up with the right words that are according to the will of God. Isn't that amazing? Reminds me of that little girl, she was praying so, matter of fact, her, her mom walked by, she, this little girl said her prayers every night before she went to sleep, but her mom walked by and heard her going A, B, C, D, E, just so reverently praying through the alphabet. And her mom dropped by later, she said, sweetheart, uh, just couldn't help but overhear you when you were praying earlier and you seemed to be reciting the alphabet. She says, oh yeah. She says, mommy, I am so confused. I don't know what to pray, so I thought I'd just God, give God all of the letters and let him figure it out. <laughs> Listen, I remember when it was 5 a.m. And I remember looking at the clock thinking, get back to sleep. You gotta speak twice this morning. You need your sleep. But it was like a, an urgency and an alertness. It wasn't just, oh, nervousness. No, it was just like, you need to wake up now. You need to, you know, and I felt that there was almost like an assignment just to pray. And I had no, but God, what am I supposed to be praying for? So I did exactly what Paul did. Paul says, I will pray with my mind and I will pray with my spirit. I'll pray with my spirit. I'll just pray in a language I don't know and let God make this sense out of it because I do not know what I am to be praying for. And I remember Esther, you awakened and you joined me in prayer and we prayed. We got to the church and my door opened up into the office area and as soon as we walked in, we saw that the place had been broken into. My file uh, cabinets were emptied all over the floor. It was slippery to walk around. I mean, just the whole place. I walked out on the platform. They'd taken a fire extinguisher, put it all over the musical instruments and, and, and damaged the wooden pulpit. And, and, and yet, you know what? Like I, when I get my home broken into, I've had that happen at least once. And I remember, you know how you feel violated and you feel, to use the theological term, yucky, you know? Well, it just, I had such a peace. I had such a peace. And I didn't even join the dots for a little bit. And then I remember saying, Esther, do you remember how we were awakened early in the morning? Do you know why we feel this supernatural peace now? God was readying us ahead of time so that when we face this, we would go ahead and have two good Sunday morning services. 
And we did. I remember praying for the, whoever broke into the church that something that they would have seen would remind them of the message of God's love. And we prayed for it. I just remember that. Isn't that amazing how the Holy Spirit, he, he can prepare us. He can help us out ahead. He can give us the words to say even when we do not know what we should be praying. Pastor Dennis and Liz Oxford, um, pastor our Claire Lee campus of our one church. They told me a story. Uh, Dennis told me a story after one of our chapels. I asked him to ask Liz's permission to tell it, and she actually was kind enough to write it down. This happened in her life when she was 12 years of age, when her 14-year-old sister died of leukemia. You can imagine how that hit a 12-year-old kid sister, and her older sister dies, and she struggled to process the loss. And her parents, with good wisdom, thought, well, the best thing is to keep the routine going. Every year, they had her registered, and she attended a church kids camp. And so they thought, well, the best way we can help our daughter is just to keep the routine going. So she writes, I'll, I'll just read what she wrote. A week later, my parents thought it best to keep me in routine, so they sent me to church kids camp as usual. That was not a very good week. I felt confused. I didn't know how to express my grief to my friends, so it came out in anger, and I'm wanting to be left alone. But Jesus gave me a really sweet camp counselor. I don't remember her first name, but her last name was Love. And that's exactly what she did that week. She loved me. She even tucked me into bed every night and said, I love you. During an evening camp service, I responded to, uh, you know, an altar call, she called. That's where people come to the front to be prayed for, for, for a, a specific area of God's help. She went to the front. I don't remember what he spoke about. I just wanted what he called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So I just stood there quietly with everyone else. Then I realized that my mouth was moving and I wasn't speaking English. I was speaking, listen to this, I was speaking and expressing myself and all my pain in a language I did not understand. But what I did understand was that the comforter had come. And I've never stopped speaking to him since. Isn't that amazing? It just makes sense, doesn't it? That a time where we have emotional pain that's just so deep, Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to come alongside and help us heal us in our pain and help us process our pain. Giving us the words to say because what we're going through is too deep for words. So that's the second way the Holy Spirit helps us. Are you tracking with me? Second way the Holy Spirit helps us. He, he helps us articulate confusion and pain that is too deep, too difficult for words, too inexpressible for words. Now, before we look at the third and final way the Spirit helps us when we're speechless, I, I need to mention, uh, I should mention, that uh, Dr. Van is going to be in every one of your community groups this week, but don't let that scare you away. He's just going to be there by way of video. But watch what he's going to do. I, I, I listened to the teach. It's excellent. He's got four. It's sort of like a spiritual reality check when it comes to the Holy Spirit. He talks about four things that the spirit baptism is not. So don't do, jo, jo, you can go to the community group lounge over there. Find it where there's a group. You can join them this week. And, uh, and uh, it, it's, it's going to be so helpful. Now, another thing that happens in the community groups, every week, 
an interview by way of video is included that Pastor Jonathan had with someone in our church family about one of these biblical experiences that they had in their lives uh, today. And uh, the one you're about to see won't be seen in the community groups, but it helps us this morning. And let's listen to Pastor Jonathan's interview with uh, Marianne Apadurai. So Marianne, do you remember when and how you were baptized in the Holy Spirit? Of course I do. Um, Just going back about a year prior to that, I remember we had just started going to a Pentecostal church and loved the altar times, you know, loved the church. Um, then we wanted to get baptized, and my sisters and I, three, three girls, uh, went and spoke to the pastor, and he, you know, went, uh, took us through the whole baptism service, and uh, then he asked us, do you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? And I said, no, because uh, to me that was way off. Like, you know, it's... Uh, it's not something I was comfortable with. I felt that maybe there's something wrong with it. Your background, you didn't grow up in that background either. No, I grew up a Catholic. Right. My, my dad was a Catholic. I was brought up, went to the convent. So this was something really new. And I have heard all these stories about Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, and I just didn't want anything to do with it. Um, but the pastor was very kind. He actually said... Um, would you at least be open to it? He didn't push me. He didn't go through the words and, you know, he just said, Can, if that is of the Lord, would you be open to it? And I said, yes, I would. And um, fast forward about um, six months to a year later, I was engaged to my husband and we were coming. He, he attended APC. We came for a service and... Um, there was a guest pastor and his wife who were preaching that day, and he asked people who wanted to be filled with the Spirit. And um, I walked up, uh, not knowing what I was expecting. <laughs> I just walked up. And the next thing, he, she came over and she started praying. The wife came and started praying for me, and she said, just you let go, let the words just come out. And I was just filled in the Spirit, and I was sobbing and crying and crying and what I didn't realize at that time was my husband had prayed saying, Lord, confirm that she is the one for me by filling her with the Spirit. <laughs> but I didn't know that. Then. Right. But it was such an amazing experience. I went home and I just couldn't stop praying in the Spirit. Mm. And my, in quick succession, my sisters were filled in the Spirit and then my mom. And, uh, you know, and now when we get together, we always are praying together and, you know, just... Uh, it is such an avenue to um, present to him, to pray through situations that you have no idea what it's all about. How do you know how to pray for things? This is, and it just gave me that boldness that I never had before. So it was a difference maker in your spiritual walk. Oh, it, it made a huge difference. I, I thought I was confident before, but this was like, the Lord just gave me that uh, assurance and just to, just in my spiritual walk, mm-hmm. just to speak to people, to encourage, just in my own growth, it, it was such a difference maker. 
The first Sunday evening in March, right in this room at 5.30, and it's for young people, even children, adults, seniors, just anyone that says, I want to learn more about that. And then there'll be an opportunity to just pray and, uh, and we're just, we're calling a Holy Spirit gathering, right? Yeah. So we're just saying, God, isn't that a great way to end this series? Just to get together and say, all we have learned, Lord, we give you praise. And, and, and that evening, just for those that are saying, I'm surrendered to receiving the spirit baptism, there'll be opportunity for prayer for that as well. All right. So we've already seen two ways that the spirit helps us when we're speechless. When, when we're trying to describe something too awesome for words or when something is so confusing and painful that we, we can't even get words out. It's inexpressible. Here's the third way. When we're communicating spiritual reality too supernatural for words. All right? Let me give you three situations that will help us, and then we're going to pray together. The first one is this. When Jesus told his disciples to go, go and be my witnesses. Go to the big city. Go to the rural communities. And even go to the countries of the world, the ends of the earth. He, he, sa- he, he said nothing about languages. He said The Spirit will baptize you. But he didn't say anything in that uh, situation about languages. He only speaks of empowerment. Empowerment for what? Well, it makes sense. You need to be empowered, enabled to be my witnesses if you're going to take this good news to people in the cities, rural areas, and all over the world. And and yet when they were Spirit-baptized, the Bible says they spoke in tongues. But did you notice what it was called? It was called a sign. It was a sign. It signified. Let let me illustrate the difference between a sign and what the sign points towards. All right? Let's say, and it's going to happen because Easter is coming, that you and I invite people to come to our Easter weekend services. It's always a wonderful citywide outreach where people that we invite get a chance to hear how much Jesus loves them and what he has done for them. And so let's say you invite someone out to the Easter services, and then you get talking to them later that week, and they say, hey, I was at Agent Court Sunday morning. And you say, oh, good, how was it? And they said, oh, good, I went right up to the sign that said Agent Court. Don't get ahead of me. Right up the sign, nice graphics. I even pronounced the word agent court. (laughs) Did you go in? Did you meet the amazing people? Did you hear the pastor's teaching about what Jesus did for us at the first Easter? No, 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 no. I just went as far as the sign and then I stopped. Okay, you're with me. That's what they did on the day of Pentecost when at first time people were so focused on the sign. They heard them speaking languages and they made that what it was all about. Until Peter, who is a totally different Peter because he has just been emboldened and empowered, filled with confidence to stand up in front of a crowd of thousands and declare to them, and notice what he says, this is not about tongues, this is about Jesus. Do you hear him say that? Remember he says, these aren't drunk as you suppose. He says, the bars aren't even open yet, it's nine o'clock in the morning. This is what the Bible talks about through the prophet Joel. But it's all about Jesus. And he could tell people, and if you read it, he refers to people who were right there 
at the Passover feast and knew about and saw what Jesus did and knew and saw Jesus crucified. And he says that same Jesus was risen from the dead. He ascended to the Father and now he has sent his Holy Spirit with this sign so that we can let you know that how he has transformed our lives is for you too. And 3,000 people said yes to Jesus that day. 3,000, over 3,000, the book of Acts says. But notice, none of them said yes to Jesus because Peter spoke in tongues. When Peter communicated the good news to them, it was in the Aramaic Greek language that they all understood, even from the many different nations. The Holy Spirit helped Peter get ready for that. He prepared him. And when Peter stood up in front of the thousands, the Holy Spirit gave him the words to say. Do you see that? That's amazing. Now, now it's only logical. Here's the second one. It's only logical and sensible that if it's true what Jesus said, that his spirit baptism will empower people to witness then in 2018, we ought to be able to go to any country in the world and say where the people are witnessing and people are coming to Jesus, it's people that are spirit-baptized that are leading them to Jesus because they've got that resource. They've got, they're not better than anybody else. They've just got, they've got that resource that the Spirit gives. And you know what? That's exactly what we find. There's been studies for years. One of the best ones happened just a few years ago. Sociologists conducted a four-year international study. Their criteria was to find churches that, A, were the fastest growing. Secondly, they were active in social transformation. You know, doing what Jesus did. How many know Jesus went to the poor? He helped out the needy. This is what these churches were doing. Here's a summary of the study results. To their complete surprise, 85% of the churches were Pentecostal. As a result, they set out to determine what single element was empowering these Pentecostals to such significant, compassionate engagement with their world. The study of Pentecostals led to the conclusion that the compelling motivator to mission is the, they call it the S factor, the spirit factor, that appears to operate in the lives of Pentecostals. The answer unequivocally is the energizing experience of worship. The driving force behind the social ministries of the Pentecostals is their experience of the Spirit in moments of worship, both corporate and private. So in the words of our message today, the Holy Spirit baptism enabled God's people to be witnesses. Do you see that? It just, it just makes sense. If Jesus said, that's what I'm giving this to you for, it just makes sense that when we receive it, that th those are the results that it has. All right, the third story moves from the macro now to that statistical affirmation of the Holy Spirit baptism to the, the, the micro. I, I knew if I told you a story of the times where I'm witnessing these days, you'd say, well, that's, you know, you're supposed to do that. You're a pastor, you know? So I'm going back to when I was 23 years old as a student at McMaster University. Uh, we had a brilliant uh, sociology professor. I loved to talk to him. I went up to him after class. Summer's in the conversation. He found out that I was Pentecostal. And he lit up like a Christmas tree. Well, he was Jewish, so he lit up, lit up like a Hanukkah candle. But anyway, he just lit right up. Lit right up. 
You see, he had this, you could see it when he would teach. He had a particular fascination with groups in society that he deemed to be different. And when he found out I was Pentecostal, he thought I qualified. I got to find out more about these guys. So he said, can you make an appointment? Come, come. And we made an appointment. And I remember just going to his office and just, just saying, God, help. I don't know what he's going to ask me about. Just, just be with me. And I went to his office, and he said, so he started, he just was, you could just see him, he just smug, sitting across. He was very talkative, but he, very smug, and he looked over at me, and, you know, here was a, here was a, uh, you know, for his own exclusive observation, here was a Pentecostal specimen, you know, and he was going to analyze me. And so he just was in, a, just, re, he was ready to go. And he started, he said, I never forget, he said, so you're Pentecostal? And I said, yes. He says, do you speak in tongues? And I said, and here's how I remember the words today, because I went away marveling. I just, I just came out. I said, yes, but that's not all I do. <laughs> he was speechless. I said, that's not the most important thing I do. Do you want me to, do you want to hear how it got started? Oh, yes, 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 yes. It started with Jesus. You know, in your, your Jewish scriptures, Isaiah 53, that talks about a Messiah is going to come someday. He'll be wounded for our transgressions. He'll, he'll die a death. He'll, it talks about his burial. It talks about how, though he was dead, he's, he's going to see. He's going to be alive to see uh, people. I, I loved Isaiah 53. I've been studying in another class at university. And I just, I just, I just told him about I said, well, that Jesus came and, 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 and he died and, and he rose and he ascended into heaven and he gave his spirit. And, and when I speak in tongues, it's my own private prayer time just to strengthen me to, to tell other people the good news about Jesus. He was still speechless. And I, other things were said, but my, the point I'm going to go to here, I left there that day just saying, what in the world happened there? Where did those words come? We done good, God, didn't we? Now my theology is better. I'd say this. We did very well, didn't we, Holy Spirit? <laughs> you gave me the words to say. Oh, he's done that so many times. I don't know what I would do without that resource in witnessing. It helps. It's not about me. It's about helping others. And Peter said this. He said, people... I'm telling you about Jesus. This is how it all got started. He's the center of it all. But then he goes on to say, what happens with Jesus and the Holy Spirit is for you. He says it's for you. It's for your sons and your daughters, like Joel said. It's for the generations who are afar off. Your children, your children's children, all who are far off, right into Toronto. Let me be clear. The Holy Spirit is the one who brings us life, causes us to be born again, guides us in our life when we surrender to that guidance. But listen to me, if you never are spirit baptized, you are every bit as much of a Christian and ready to go to heaven as anyone who is spirit baptized. Do you hear me? See, the Holy Spirit baptism is not given to make us a Christian. The Spirit gives new life to do that. The Spirit baptism does not make us a Christian. The Spirit baptism empowers us after we become Christians. Do you see that? Just like in the book of Acts, they already were following Jesus, and then they had this package of power that came through the Holy Spirit. And, and, and Peter stands up and he says, it's for you. And the New Testament teaches, it's for you. And that's why people that are empowered make all of the difference in the world today. Now, let me just illustrate this. Um, 
I don't know how many of you were here when I uh, told you the story about how midweek I came out to get my water that I'd left out on the platform on Sunday. And I came out through these curtains and it was, it was all dark. Rather than turning on all the lights, remember that story? Yeah, I, I just used the, the screen light from my Blackberry, right? That I had at the time. I just used the screen light. I walked over, I successfully picked up my water bottle and was heading back off the platform trying to find the opening in the curtains. <laughs> a la kerplunk on the floor, right? And uh, my back's never been the same since. <laughs> But I, um, I told you that story. Probably almost 2,000 people heard it. No one told, I was out at the airport one day, you know, where you're deleting pictures and emails and you're fooling around. You go to places on your phone you didn't know they had. I found a menu, it looked like a flashlight on it. <laughs> Boom, it is a flashlight. I remember one of the first thoughts I had, why didn't somebody tell me? <laughs> but now I'm happy because I got another illustration out of it. <laughs> but that's what it's like. It's like you've already got the Holy... How many know you're born again of the Spirit? The Spirit of God already indwells you. He guides you in life. He wants to give you gifts. But how many... Boy, it sure be nice to have a little extra power to enable me. <laughs> right? That's what... The baptism of the Holy Spirit is. It helps you when you pray. And you don't know what to pray because you're so confused or you're so burdened. And he gives you a language to pray in. You're not left speechless. It helps you when you're praising God and you're in your own time with the Lord and, and, and you just run out of words to describe how good he is. You just feel something, there's just more to be said and you go ahead and say it in a new language. You're not left speechless, he gives you words to say. Gives you a new language. And when you go to witness, the spirit baptism has happened in your life, you go to talk to someone and you don't know what to say to them. How many know in such same hour the words are given to you? Right there. He gives you the words to say. Oh, may it happen so that the world will see that Jesus is real in 2018. Amen? Let's pray about this together. Thank you, Father, for sending Jesus. And thank you, Jesus, for asking the Father to send the Spirit. It's just like having you with us, Jesus. He comes alongside and helps us. So, Lord, we pray about the week that is before us. And we pray that every hour, in that very hour where we need you, we don't know what we're going to face this week, but when we're in those moments where it's so good and we praise you for your goodness, come alongside and don't leave us speechless. Give us a language to express praise, the wonders of God. Lord, in the moments where and some of us are going through it now. Just, it's just the pain's too deep to express in words. It's inexpressible. Or we're confused because of what's happening in life. Lord, just help us to have that go-to language where we, not just, we don't just pray with our understanding, we pray with the Spirit. And you'll make sense of it before God. And you'll go to work in ways that otherwise could not have happened. And Lord, when we witness... Even this week, people at work, neighborhood, friends, relatives, Lord, help us just to, just, to, just to receive from you the words of life that would help someone else, we pray.
Every hour, we need you, Lord. Make sure you don't miss a message by subscribing to this podcast. All creative content and production for this podcast is provided by the One Church Creative Team.